O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Good hey, everyone. evening, Finsiders. Oh, whoa, 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 what, what is this? Show. Now we fight over who starts the show. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. This is you gave it up. This is this isn't your show no, no, anymore. No, you. No, 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 no. I didn't give it up. I was on hiatus. No, 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 no. We have an understanding here, there, Chief. <laughs> well, everybody that's listening, welcome. Obviously, this is Kevin. Keith is the other one that's complaining about not getting to host the show, which only one of us is logged in as the host right now, and I'm fairly certain that's me. So, um, I've got the power tonight. <laughs> and we have Duke with us. Duke, how are you? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. You don't wanna you don't wanna jump in and try to introduce the show at the same time? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Keith, I'll let you I'll let you uh you, you have the power. I, I am the guest host essentially now. <laughs> are you sure? Should we switch the uh, the host number real quick to make it official? <laughs> No, no, I'll let you, I'll let you do it. No, it, it we're, we're, the moment's passed. We might as well just move on. Okay. Um, obviously, it's been a busy week for the Dolphins. Um, a lot of stuff going on between people coming, people leaving, uh, rumors, speculation. It's definitely free agency week, and. That was a really weird ghost sound in the background. And now my phone's doing crazy things. I don't know what's happening right now. So, uh, <laughs> see what happens when I become the host again? It just becomes amateur hour. I should let Keith do this. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously, the big news is the sign of Brandon Albert. It's Reportedly, who Joe Philbin wanted last year, Dennis Hickey said when he came in, the first player that Joe Philbin sat down and showed him tape of was Brandon Albert and basically said, I want this guy. They made it happen. They got their guy. So hopefully that means the Dolphins have a left tackle that's actually going to perform to the level of a left tackle in the NFL. Uh, any thoughts on where we go from here with the offensive line? Do you think that there's talk of um, Shelly Smith coming down? I guess he's in for a visit right now. There's, there's, there's lots of speculation about where they could go. So wh- where do you think the next step is for the offensive line, Keith? Uh Depending on what happens with with Shelly Smith, there's still um, the right tackle position, which some people think they'll address in free agency. 
Uh, there's still a couple of guys out there. Uh, I know a lot of people. A lot of people were looking at uh, Collins as a right tackle. I think he'll end up playing left. I think he. Uh, I'm trying to. Some of the names out there. I think uh, Street is one who's. If, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything about him yet. Uh, uh, Collins signed today. I know Collins is uh, Collins is out. Yeah. Uh, that's why I said I think that when he was brought in, I think he's going to end up playing left tackle. Um. I, think, I I haven't heard anything about Orr either. Although it depends if you if you really want to put together a, a an offensive line with uh, an injury history. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem am, with with I will playing say real well on quick it. On Orr, on Orr, I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a lot of talk, not necessarily for the Dolphins, but of him at all. Like I know there is injury history. I know that he gets probably a lot more notoriety than maybe he should simply because of the book and the movie. But I, I'm really, I really am kind of surprised that not – it doesn't seem as like there's as much interest as I would have expected for him. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. It seems like it's it's working its way down right now. It is. And, uh, it is. We're, we're definitely moving into that tier two, tier two level. And, I mean, it's something we talked about all offseason is the fact that we're not going to need a superstar on the right side. So if it comes down to finding a guy who who suits what we're looking for and won't break the bank, that, that's fine. I'm also good with, with holding off on it and just addressing it in the draft. I mean, even if, it, if you're using a, a late day two, early day three pick, I mean, that's fine. I mean, the fact that they were able to, to get their guy at left tackle, I think, simplifies a lot of things for this team moving forward in terms of free agency and the draft. Because now if you want to go ahead and you want to continue to add in free agency, you can you can get a guard. I mean, there's not really any guys out there I would classify as knockout players at the guard position, but I don't think that's what Miami is looking for anyway. I think they just want a guy who's going to be very good at the position and get it done. Uh, right. So, I mean, you can find that now. You can find that in the draft. So, I mean, they don't have to find anything else right now in terms of the offensive line. But, I mean, they can. But, I mean, it's it's not as it was prior to the start of free agency win. I mean, they needed to do something. Duke, I, I know you and I both said it beforehand that we expect the team to have, if not all of the starters in place on the offensive line before the draft, at least a pretty good idea and could be starters. And then if they draft somebody early, they could replace that person. Do you still see the team going that way? Do you still think that they come out of this with four new offensive linemen plus Pouncey? I think they come out with four four offensive linemen. I don't know that they necessarily will be starters. I don't think that you know, bringing in a guy like Shelly Smith means he's going to be a starter because you never know what the draft's going to hold. Um, there was a guy on Twitter today. Uh, I think he is – our Twitter handle uh, Draft Countdown. It's that website, and he did kind of like a live Twitter draft. And Miami's pick was um, Suofilo at 19. So if you let's say that actually happens, then you know you, you've got a guy that that you think there is going to start. But I don't think they're going to just go in go into the draft with just a couple of guys. I think they're going to have at least four guys signed, um, and I, I think they're just kind of waiting for the market to settle and then go they're they're kind of bargain hunting now. Um 
I think that's what they want to do with a guy like Shelly Smith. I mean, him, Streif, um, some of these other guys. I mean, I think I was going to bring up, yep. I think these are some guys that they can bring in and say, hey, you know what, we're going to bring you in to compete. We're not going to give you a ton of money so that if, you know, you you might say back up if you want to start or don't want to be here, we'll cut you. But, you know, I think I think they will continue to address the offensive line uh, in free agency, as well as a few other positions. I mean, there's still some other positions that the Dolphins need to address, and there are plenty of players out there to address them. I mean, the running back market has been – Fairly non-existent. I think the only one that signed um, there's been a couple of guys signed. I think um, McFadden. I know of. I think there was one other guy. I'm not sure. Um, the wide receiver market's been kind of dry. I mean, uh, Decker yep. signed, Golden Tate signed, um, Ted Ginn signed tonight. Uh, so I mean, Kitty, where did he go? Of, uh, Arizona. He went to Arizona. Okay, I hadn't seen that one yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, so uh, I think Knicks was was visiting the Colts, which Panthers fans are freaking out about. Um, but the um, you know there's just there's a lot of players out there that Miami could use that there's either not a lot of bidding for, or you know they're just kind of sitting back, you know, waiting waiting on on uh, waiting on things. So I think Miami's going to pick up a running back. I think they're going to pick up a linebacker, perhaps. Um, they're definitely going to pick up a few more offensive linemen. Um, but they're bringing in Cortland Finnegan tomorrow for a visit, bringing in some cornerback bets. Um, from what I'm reading on Twitter, it sounds like that they're fairly high on Jamar Taylor, and they're expecting him to win the starting job. So, um, you know, that's probably why they didn't go out and attempt to get some of these other bigger-name corners that signed first. Uh, so, I, you know, I think there are positions to address. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to continue hitting that offensive line. Uh, you know, it, it depends on how, how much they want to stick it to the Patriots, if, if they want to beef up the defensive line, someone want to bring in Vince Wilfork. But, um, you know, that's wishful thinking at this point. I mean, I think what they've done so far is good. So I think they're going to continue continue working. And personally, I kind of like what, what Hickey's done. He's You know, he wasn't – you know, last year Jeff Ireland went out and made it rain on day one. Uh, just signing everybody. And this year he's kind of taking this, you know, we got our guy in Albert. We got the guy we wanted in Mitchell. We were able to bring Starks back at a very cheap deal when you consider that uh, what Paul Soli I got is equivalent to what both of the defensive tackles we signed got. Yep. Uh, it's a pretty good deal. So uh, I think I like what he's done. Kind of, He got what he wanted. Now he's sitting back, kind of taking his time, not overreacting, uh, and letting things come to him. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that bodes well, not only for Fredsy, but for the draft, because that means, you know, you can kind of sit back and there, there's a plan in place. Um, I know, think so. I think the plan last year, and it seems like, you know, looking back on it now, the plan was uh, don't get fired. And it looks like now that Hickey's got a plan of this is how I want to build a team, and I'm going to do it the right way. And I, I think he started off right. I think I think you're right. I think there's a plan, and it seems I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I'm I I got spoiled off of last year's spending spree. As a whole around the NFL, it just seems like this year's free agency has been, I guess, calmer. I, I don't know. It just it seems like it was a whole group of people that were immediately attacked, signed, and then it was just like, uh one signing here, a rumor there, 
another signing over here. So there wasn't anything. <clears throat> we haven't heard these massive uh, bidding wars and this guy is talking to this team, and we, we haven't seen the Jake Long situation. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, maybe it's because it's not the Dolphins involved. Maybe it is happening out there, but it just it doesn't seem like this year's free agency is as volatile a situation as it was last year. Uh, a name that you brought up, Duke, and let's see, Nevada Finfan and um, flirting debater brought up in the live thread also is uh, Streif. So either one of you guys, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, Keith, first. Thoughts on Streif? Uh, the, the report is that the Dolphins have talked to him and they've expressed some interest. He has said that he would consider Miami, but there's no visit scheduled yet. There's no we're in negotiations. It's just like a feeling out type of situation. So any thoughts on Streif and would he fit? Would he be the right tackle? And then since it's on right tackle, could the Dolphins end up going back to just trying to re-sign Claybo and put him back in at right tackle? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't go with that latter scenario unless unless they absolutely had to. I think that of all the right tackles available in free agency, I think Streif probably best fits what we want to do on the offensive line. I think he's a he's a mobile guy. He's someone who can come in and, and shouldn't have any problem picking up what we're trying to do. So I don't think you're going to have any, any sort of lag time or delay in him carrying over from uh, his uh, previous team to his new team. So um, he he's also the most ideal guy out there right now. So, I mean, if if the Dolphins have a, have a chance to get that guy, that, in my opinion, definitely, I mean, do it. Uh, which, um, and really when you look at this, you would say tackle class, not right tackle class. But if the Dolphins were able to come out of it with Albert and Streep, I'd say that'd be a pretty impressive haul. I, I mean, that's that's doing right on both both sides of the line. So, I mean, that's ideal. If they can pull it off, absolutely get it done. Of course, as I go into the hold, you must have stopped talking just now. So, since uh, we do have a blank spot here. I'll just go ahead and bring Dolphin Fan for Life on right now. So let me hit the button. And Dolphin Fan for Life, how are you tonight? I'm doing really well. So what's on your mind? Um, well, I know a lot of people are talking about this guy, that guy, Streif, and everything else. Personally, I think, what was the guy's name? Shelly? Shelly Smith. Shelly Smith should do it for us on O line. I mean, we have uh we have Nate Garner still. He can play right tackle, kick over to left guard if need be, play center if we want to move Pouncey over to left guard, play right guard, play pretty much any position and I mean really He's getting about two or three million, and what I would like to see us do is possibly get like Hurst in the third, maybe fourth, if that's how he does. But I mean, really, I'm surprised no one's really talking about this guy. And I know fullbacks don't get a lot of attention, but what do you guys think about John Coon? 
for the Dolphins. We need a fullback. He's got the Green Bay connection. He blocks, he catches, he runs, and he fills several areas for us. Do you want to handle that one? Um, sorry, I was reading this stuff on Twitter. Um, <laughs> no problem. I can kick it off to Keith. Keith, do you want to take it? Yeah, Keith, go ahead there. My phone's acting funny. Uh, sorry, I didn't even uh, hear half that question, which is why I'm kind of in the dark right now. Um, basically, I recommended John Kuhn. Um, oh, well, um, that would certainly the angle where we, we take Green Bay, Green Bay players. Uh, it would be nice to have a fullback, I, I suppose, of, of John Kuhn's caliber. The thing is, is uh, while he does some things well in Green Bay, um, I'm just I'm not sure if it's really worth the uh wasting the time to go a, go after him. I think that I I'm more focused on and I hope the team's more focused on bringing in like a, a bigger back who can complement Lamar Miller. I mean, you can't really say no to a fullback and, and Kuhn's a, a good player, but I think that I I'd rather spend my resources elsewhere. But I I also wouldn't say no to that. Like I mean, if I was presented the option, I mean Sure, but I think I mean, that you, gotta, you also got to figure. I mean, when you're talking about a bigger running back, this guy was Green Bay's running offense. I mean, and it wasn't a very good running right. offense, though. I mean, that was by committee. I mean, it, they would have started you if you'd been there. You know, I mean, like there was a time where Green Bay's backfield was just an absolute. I mean, it was a joke, literally. I mean, people would would joke about it. And, I mean, I guess it's a testament to how good Aaron Rodgers is because a lot of quarterbacks in that situation with such such a porous backfield wouldn't be able to have that kind of success. So, I mean, but the thing is he's real good at converting, like, third and short. Uh, and, like I said, I, there, there are things – and he runs well inside the red zone, too, from what I've seen. He's a, he's a hammer at the goal line. And he's got a little bit of athleticism, too. Uh, to him as well. So, I mean, he can, uh, he's got a little bit of leaping ability, which is strange for for someone who's that huge. So, like I said, wouldn't say no. Would rather, if we're going to uh, acquire someone for the backfield, I, I'd rather find more of a, a bell cow type back instead of a fullback. But I don't think that's a bad idea either. So I'm not really putting yours down. I'm just saying, like, I would probably look elsewhere. But it's not a bad idea. And certainly in line with a lot of things Philbin's done thus far. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is he'd be good with, as far as, like, blocking for Tannehill. He does block fairly well for a fullback, you know, for a Green Bay-style fullback, as far as, like, quarterback protection. And, you know, I, I'm... I'm really thinking Shelly, I think his last name Smith, is the last lineman that we really need to get. I like the connection between him and uh, our offensive line coach, Benton, because he actually was with Houston for the first two years of his career. 
Um, so they have that connection there as well. But um, another, I guess, another guy that I was going to mention, but you haven't really heard so much as far as, like, before, I mean, since that so-called fake visit to um, Cleveland, but Ben Tate, I mean, has anybody heard about our interest or anything? I, I don't know if he's expected to even get out of Cleveland. I know because yeah, for a while there, for a while there, people were wondering when when he was going to get started with Cleveland in, in terms of negotiating, and uh, it just has gone on the past few days. I think finally, I know he's in Cleveland. I think that it's yeah. about to actually kick off. But I, I would be surprised they let him walk. Mm-hmm. Would be nice. I think, you know, I think we talked he, about him a lot. I think he absolutely ends up in Cleveland. I think he he's visiting today, I think, or it was a two-day visit that started yesterday and is carrying on today. But, yeah, I don't think that there's any chance that he ends up out of he – ends, he ends up not signing with Cleveland. Okay. And last but not least, what is your favorite signing of the offseason and what is your least favorite? Dolphins-wise or NFL-wise? Dolphins-wise. I'll let you go first, Duke, if you're there not on baby duty um, right now. No, nah, my phone <clears throat> was cutting in and out earlier. Um, something weird going on. Anyway, um, I would say my favorite signing, um, well, I mean, I, I have to go with Brent Grimes. I mean, just because, you know, he's basically an elite player at a very, very important position, and to get him in – at a reasonable contract, uh, it's pretty good. I like Starks, and mostly for the mostly for his contract, I think that's a uh, a, uh, a good deal for him. The least favorite signing, um, we only had a few. Uh, I, I would go with Luis Delmas, uh, just because. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to be that much more of an upgrade over what uh, Chris Clemens was. Um, uh, one thing I read was that because you know, it's a one-year deal, he's going to go out there and try to prove that he's worth a longer-term contract, so you're going to get, you know, the best out of him. But, um, <clears throat> you know, that's about it. I mean, in terms of NFL, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. There have been some crazy signings. I mean, the whole Roger Sapple saga was kind of weird. but um, Yeah. And I think the he, he's well. now – And I kind of like it that we've not gone into, you know, signing everybody. Uh, at first, I like that we've kind of, you know, slowed up a little bit. We got the guys we wanted, and now we're just kind of taking our time. So, I, I the Saffold signing saga was just odd, and somehow he ends up going back to St. Louis, not losing any money, and actually has more guaranteed money now than Jake Long. So it's just a weird, weird situation there. I'm, I'm not sure what all is happening there, but um, just I as think we're going the, the, in the live thread, they're posting this, that Brandon Browner, who has the four-year – or four-year – four-game suspension to start the 2014 season, uh, he 
apparently has reached a two-year agreement with the Patriots, but he's on his way to visit the Redskins. Um, he's in negotiations with four teams and does not have a deal, is not even close. So that, that gives you a pretty good rundown of what's going on with him. Just so you know, <laughs> apparently, just, yeah, apparently the report said, NFL, report, NFL Ian Rappaport <laughs> said he's reached a two-year agreement. Right after that, Ben Volan came back and said he has not reached a deal with the Patriots. He's on his way to the Redskins. And then Schefter came back after talking to Browner's agent saying that he's in negotiations with four teams who do not have a deal and they aren't even close. So there is apparently – there's a bidding war I was talking about earlier. Um, one interesting one interesting tweet that I saw about it says, just to throw this out there, a scout told me that Browner would be terrible if he left Seattle's defense. Guess we'll find out. So Interesting. But, um, to uh, touch on something that yeah. you guys said real quick, um, you, you had wondered why free agency kind of is a little off this year. I think it's just a testament to the draft class this year. I mean, this is like the well, best. That's a good point. The best class that you have seen in like they they said that this is the best class they've seen in like thirty or forty years. So I mean, when you can sit there and you can get tackle depth, wide receiver depth, as far as like the second, third, fourth round guard depth, I mean. The depth in this class is, like, huge. And, I mean, you can even pick up a defensive tackle in the fourth or fifth round that may even be able to start for you come year one or two. You know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the amount of talent that is in this draft class, especially compared to last year when you had, you know, which is also another testament to the free agency period because you didn't have – I mean, what, you had three for sure guys. We ended up moving up to get one. And we spent, like, we basically spent Ross' spending money for the year on last year's class. And, you know, I mean, on last year's free agency, and that's just a testament to how poor the draft class was last year compared to this one. So, I mean, that's pretty much why I think you see so many odd situations here. But then you have these GMs that are trying to put a name on their team with, like, teams like Jacksonville, Oakland, and Cleveland, the teams that have, like, the most cap space, and nobody really wants to talk about them. I mean, look at the Raiders. The biggest thing about them was a guard they almost signed. And they went ahead and signed Justin Tuck and somebody else anyways. Nobody's even heard a peep about that. You know, that to me is, like, just the biggest thing right there. It's a good point about the draft class. I think the draft class could very much so be playing into this. But, Flurry and Trader, thank you very much for calling in tonight. Mm -hmm. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. You have a good night. You too. Hey guys, you're listening to Finsider. Oh, hold on for a second there. Uh, you're listening to Finsider Radio. This is Kevin. I'm with Keith and Duke. And just talking Dolphins free agency, getting ready for the draft that comes in May. 
all that kind of fun kind of stuff. We'll take your phone calls at 347-326-9461. You can tweet to us at the Finsider or at KMB8488. Or Duke, what's yours? The Earl 007. That's what I thought. Okay, it's at the Earl 007. And, uh, of course, we have the Finsider live thread up on the site, as we do during the show each week. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio and we're not broadcasting live, check us out next week, 10 p.m. Thursday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time Thursday night. And we will take your questions, comments throughout the show on the live thread and get you on the air that way. So, Duke, what were you thinking? Well, I was going to say that this draft class is deep, but at certain positions. And uh, people can tell by my signature line uh, on my comments that I'm a big C.J. Mosley fan. There are certain positions that aren't very deep in this draft, and one of those is is, is an inside linebacker. Um, So, but but the Dolphins fan for life's right. This is a deep draft at certain positions. Um, You can get starting caliber players, and that is that is I believe 100 percent that is that is affecting the free agent deal because, I mean, especially with the wide receivers, that's considered probably one of the deepest in this class. Uh, and look at how the wide receiver market's been. Nobody's really, you know, biting on it. I mean, this is kind of – I mean, Eric Decker was supposed to be the biggest sign, and he went to the Jets yesterday, and um, and they have absolutely no one, so they had to have somebody. It's uh, – you know, I, I think that is definitely playing a factor. Teams are like, you know what, I, I don't want to commit – a lot of money to this particular position when I can get, you know, a player who will probably be just as good, if not better, on, on a rookie pay scale. Right. Uh, real quick, uh, apparently, did I call? Um, you did. did. Did I call him uh, uh, Florida Debater? I did. did. Been fan for life. I called the Florida Debater. I apologize to both of you. I did not catch that. I was reading comments at the same time as saying that, so – I apologize. I did not mean to do that. Um, it was Finn Fan for Life, not the Floridian debater that had called in. Um, um, quick news. I got, I got a name for you. Yeah, go ahead. I was say Ted Ginn's deal, three years, max of $14.25 million, guarantees about $5.2 million range. That's not bad for him. That's that's pretty no. good for him. I mean, yeah. for a guy that is – that is almost purely a kick returner. He did. He has developed decently into a down the depth chart wide receiver. So that's good for him. I'm I'm happy for him. Now hopefully they get his whole family too, and everything's good. Yeah. That that's that's what the max range is about. How many family members to bring along? Um, yeah. The uh, <laughs> I, watching him a little bit play for Carolina, he did develop. He, he did some things last year that I saw that I, I didn't see from him. And, and uh, previously, um, he, he was catching crossing routes. He was, uh, you know, taking hits. Um, just he played a little more physical, and uh, you know, I was kind of impressed with what he did at Carolina. I figured they would try to resign him, uh, considering they have no receivers now. Like literally, you and I could walk off the street, and we would be their receivers um, <clears throat> starting right now. So, um, but yeah, that's a good deal for for Ian. I picked up a couple questions in the uh, in Twitter that I want to get to in just a second. But one name that, well, I, I think it was you, Keith, that was talking about. It may have been you, Duke, but talking about trying to get uh, fullback slash running back type. There's a name out there that you you could 
see the Dolphins signing because he could fill that type of role, and it could be Lex Hilliard. If you wanted a fullback who you can trust to carry the ball decently, I'm not saying he's going to break one and freaking destroy the NFL, but he he's, I mean, he's a little bit older, but he is somebody that we as Dolphins fans have seen before, and since he left Miami, he has gotten – He's gotten more use as a pure fullback than as a running back, which he was used here in Miami. So your guys' thoughts, do you think that there's any chance that he could be somebody that fills that kind of role? I mean, I guess the question you would ask about that would be, are you – well, I'll I'll answer it myself. He's a guy you bring into camp, but he's not the answer. You bring in, you, you draft a guy as well, and you let the two guys battle it out. Um, that that's that would be what I would say. I mean, I wouldn't. I like Flex here. I I want him to stay, um, but um, you know, I, I think he's a guy they could bring in fairly cheap and and just let him compete for a roster spot. I mean, I I, I wouldn't sign him and say, oh well, we're set, you know. But and the the first question I got is Az Dolphin who, if you guys listen to the Finsiders radio show from the Dolphins themselves, you know, um, obviously he's been around the site and is active on Twitter with us too. His first question, I'll turn it over to you, Keith, since you semi-answered it on Twitter already, is uh, even though Miami has no need at the wide receiver position, really, would it be a surprise if Miami drafted somebody during the uh, during May's draft, since that's when you draft somebody is during the draft? Yes, of course. Uh, no, that would not be a surprise. It would be a, uh, something I, I'm borderline expecting. Uh, I, I said on Twitter, I think that could happen as, as high as the second round, depending on how the board board falls. I've talked about maybe, depending on what we have available in the first round and what we've done in free agency, we could take a, one of the more uh, prominent guys in this draft from the first round. Too. I mean, like that sounds a little crazy when you have – uh, potential glaring holes uh, at defensive tackle, which, we, I mean, technically we did. I, I'd like to think that we, we've uh, put a plan in place and some personnel to ensure that we're not lacking at that position. And we've started the the slow rebuild in terms of our, of our offensive line. So if we were at that 19th pick and we were confident in the offensive line personnel and we weren't really thrilled with what was available to us uh, in terms of value, I would trade down a couple of picks. And then I, I talk about Brandon Cooks all the time. I think that guy would be a fantastic player in Miami. I think he really fits the offense. I think he brings a skill set that we have elements of. We have elements of the speed. We have elements of the route running ability. But clearly we don't have a player who encompasses all that the, the way Cooks does. So I'm interested in him. Uh, I, I think I first mentioned the, the whole thing about Dante Moncrief like last summer because we were watching tape when uh, right. uh, Ole Miss played LSU and he just humiliated that cornerback. And typically when you hear people say that, you, I mean, it just means the guy had a good game. No, I mean, he shamed that guy. There, there were a couple of instances where I just I felt I felt terrible for him. So, I mean, Moncrief is another guy, uh, a bigger guy too. Again, not, not necessarily a player uh, – we have on the roster right now, which is important because we have guys, we have some of the bigger guys, we have guys who can run routes, we have speed guys. Moncrief is a, a bigger receiver, a great route runner, 
and deceptively fast. Uh, I think some people expected him to run the four five, and I think he was right at four four at the combine, which I mean just confirms that he's got the the wheels. So he would be, I think, a second round option. Cooks would be a first round option. I don't expect Evan to make it down to number nineteen. I'm sorry about that. Um, and, and there are some bigger body guys who can be had really in the second round, and some of them might creep into the first round too. But I absolutely think we'll take a, a receiver at some point. And one thing you need to consider is Mike Wallace is not a long-term solution, in my opinion, especially for what he costs. So really what you're looking for is a guy who can – well, you're not really looking for comparable speed because very few people out there can run that fast. But you want you want a type of speed guy who can build on what Wallace has and – if you're getting him to the draft, you're paying him an absolute fraction of what you're paying Mike Wallace, which is the point as a general manager. You want to be able to maintain that talent while getting younger and cheaper. So it could happen. I hope it happens. I think it will happen. I just don't know when. Yeah, and I've made it now that I'm a big fan of Moncrief, and, and a lot of stuff that I've read about him says that he's got potential to be a number one receiver. And I think he's a guy that if you draft – you know, there's a lot of them, so I want to get rid of Hartline and, and you know, some of the other guys. But I, I think Wallace, I think you're right, he's the guy that paying him, he's not getting um, he's not getting the production out of. And, and, and I saw this week on Twitter, too, that, um, you know, if there had been a better connection between him and Tannehill, he probably scored a lot more touchdowns, and it wouldn't be a big deal. But uh, unless he has a really good year this year, I think they start looking at guys to replace him. And ultimately, I think they would, move on from the whole wide receiving group right now. Um, I mean, Hardline's solid, and I, I think for what he gives you, um, he's a good receiver to have. But, I mean, if you can find someone else that can produce more than he can, you know, in the draft, why not? So, um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of hope they draft Moncrief just because I think he'll be a, a, a good target for Tannehill. <clears throat> The, uh, the the next thing, you have another thought, Keith? Well, one one guy that we've mentioned a couple of, of times, not as great of fit, but certainly a, a threat would be Odell Beckham Jr. And right. then a, a, a guy who was really on the radar, he fell off a little bit because he didn't have the straight line speed everyone everyone suspected that he could run at the combine is uh, Jarvis Landry, who I think, uh, who, all right, I should say whom I think... Uh, has arguably the best hands in this draft. And we, you know, for the Dolphins offense, I think that's a selling point. So something to keep an eye on too, because I think he'll probably end up as a third rounder. I think I think he ran a four six at the combine, which will hurt a little bit. I don't have as much of a problem with it, because I'm more interested in what he's able to do uh, within the route tree, uh, and he, he's able to create separation that way. You don't have to really sell me on that. Uh, it it kind of carries on the same vein. Uh, at Herb Joshua asked on Twitter, any thoughts on how we address the running back situation, free agency or draft, who would fit our scheme? So we touched a little bit on the running backs earlier, but do you think that the Dolphins are going to look free agent for running back, or could they just wait until the draft? And if this Ben Tate signing to the Browns goes down, does that change things? Because I really think the Browns are probably the biggest – need for a running back, which could open up something later in the draft. Perhaps. 
that um, the the Dolphins have to get due diligence in terms of running back and free agency. I think they need to assess what's available, uh, the the overall fit in terms of what they're looking for. But I ultimately think it's something they're going to address through the draft. And although running back is one of the more shallow positions in this draft, in my opinion, it, compared to the back uh, prospects you have at several other positions in this draft, uh, it's not going to be as easy to get a running back in, say, like the fourth or fifth round. But I think a lot of the guys who are available late on day two are going to be real gems. I think that's when you're going to see the run. So if if I'm looking in, I mean, we don't know if the Dolphins will trade down, if they'll trade up. Maybe they add a pick in, in that in that range, which, which would be great. But I think that if I would expect the Dolphins to really make a move for a younger guy, a guy who can really take on the lion's share of carries, and I think that's something that you can have on, on late on day two, even early on day three. Everything that I've read about it, it seems like they're going to try to address it in the draft. But then, you know, it, it all depends on how the running back market goes. I mean, there's not a lot of, as far as running back talent, I think Ben Tate's probably the the best option out there. If he goes, then everybody else is kind of just bargain deals. So, I mean, let's say, for example, that, you know, they, they go on into the weekend and Ben Tate signs and doesn't get that big of a deal. Uh, and, you know, Miami calls up, say, Maurice Jones-Drew and offers him, you know, kind of a a smaller deal or a, a very friendly, team-friendly deal. You know, why not address it that way? So I, th- I think it just depends on kind of their just, I think I think they would attempt to address it both in the draft and in free agency, but they're going to wait and see what the market says. I mean, because – if running back, if Ben Tate signs some ridiculous contract, and then say Jones Drew goes and signs a ridiculous contract somewhere else, you know, then they're probably going to stay away. But if, if they can get a free agent running back fairly cheap, you know, why not? Uh, AZ's talking. Browns have no quarterback to speak of. Musical chairs up there between Bridgewater, Manziel, Bortles. Uh, it, it is. Um, I think that the Browns and obviously the Rams, the Rams are sitting, when it comes to the draft, are sitting so fat right now that they could do just about anything. And the Browns really could do just about anything because they, too, have two first-round picks. So, I don't know. When it comes to running back, I do. I think that the Browns are the big for a running back right now. And that's also assuming that Joe Philbin is saying Lamar Miller and Daniel Thomas can't get it done. And maybe he's not he is. Saying he might not be because he may just be saying the offensive line could not run or could not block. So nobody could run behind that line. There's, there's a valid argument there. Um, I think that you probably need to add a running back specifically to replace Daniel Thomas and maybe to be the starter with Lamar Miller, the change of pace back. So there, there's weird options there, but uh, Jason Scott mentioned in the, Live thread, and I know somebody corrected him on, and I didn't. I didn't write down who it was, but mentioned the idea of trying to sign Alex Mack to a poison pill type of uh, offer sheet, and the CBA no longer allows poison pills. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically what 
the Patriots were threatening to do to Wes Welker when the Dolphins had him as a restricted free agent. Um, it's basically if you play more than four games in a state, then your salary suddenly jumps millions and millions of dollars. So in the in the case of the Patriots and Welker, it was if you play more than four games a year in Florida, you get so much more money that the Dolphins would never have been able to match it. And in order to avoid having the poison pill, because even though it was legal, it was obviously frowned upon, it was not the way to sign players, uh, in order to avoid that and in order to avoid losing Welker for less, that's why they worked out that trade that everybody now hates because, oh, we traded away Wes Welker. Well, the reasoning was the poison pill was in play then. Can't do that anymore. The poison pills ruled out of the by the CBA, and therefore, if you are going to make an offer, you can't have the weird random clause in there of, if you do this, then you get paid more, knowing that it will never happen on your team, but it will happen on that other team. So that's out. Um, the other thing is, and KIH004, who is Martin, everybody knows, I think, but uh, – he, uh, he he brought up two names, and it's it's the two obvious names that – or maybe not the two obvious names, but the obvious connection that we all hear about every single year at this time. And it's uh, James Jones and uh, Evan Dietrich Smith talking the possibility of the Packers connection to Joe Philbin, players from the Packers coming down here. It, it It's – something we talk about every year, and yet every year it doesn't seem to happen. So two names, and I'll give it to you, Duke, first. Two names possible on the radar. Would they fit? Do you think that there would be interest there? Those kinds of things. Um, the, the the guard, um, I, I don't care that much for James Jones. Not that he's not a good player, but, again, I, I think you can I think you can get a better player in the draft and what James Jones is, and plus he's 30 years old. So, I mean, yeah, it depends who you're going to replace him with. I mean, like I said, we'll mention a couple of podcasts ago that based on their contracts, Wallace and Hartline are starters. You know, you're not getting around that. I mean, even if even if you move one of those guys into the slot as the, as the third receiver, they're still going to get a lot of snaps. So, um, it, I mean, it just depends on whether they feel like James Jones will be – a better fit than, say, Brandon Gibson or whatever. But, um, yeah, the offensive line, I think, where he, he knows the, the scheme, um, he would he would fit in well. He's uh, he's played guard and center, so gives you some versatility there. Just just not a fan of, 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 of getting the wide receivers, um, mainly because I think you can do better in the draft than, what, than what's out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a proven talent. And I mean, let's say Miami decided to go out and get Steve Smith. I mean, he's he's a good player, but uh, I think in the long run, getting a receiver in the draft is is better than than uh, trying to sign a free agent at this point. I got a question coming in on Twitter, and I feel bad because I keep going back to Twitter, and I haven't caught up much on the live thread, so I will here in a minute. But a uh, question came in again from at her Joshua. It's it's a good question. And I don't know if there's an answer for this. Is it an open competition at defensive end between Olivier Vernon and Deion Jordan, 
Or is that Vernon's position and the Dolphins coaches have to figure out a way to use Deion Jordan? Well, I, I would lean toward the latter right now, quite honestly. I'm not sure with Vernon's production if you can take him out of that role. I and, think and that's probably to, true, yep. Because it sucks because, I mean, you're talking about uh, a, a highly drafted guy with, with boatloads of upside in Jordan. And I mean, some of the reports coming out is that he doesn't want to play defensive end anyway. You know, he wants to get into more of a, a, a outside linebacker. Uh, I, I guess you'd say a very versatile role uh, at the second level, so, which I'm fine with too. And, and it's a little unorthodox, but I mean, we've seen teams make that work. We saw Denver do it with Von Miller. I mean, everyone thought Von Miller was a three-four def- or, or a three-four outside linebacker. Uh, uh, um, despite being a little undersized for the position, it turned out. I mean, they've for Denver's four-three. I mean, they put him in the really operating at the second level. I mean, he's been outstanding. We have a call, by the way. We should maybe take that. Yeah, I know. I, I just talked to him. I, I'll get him on the air in just a second. Well, you just let me. I just was gonna let you. No, I was letting you finish this this uh, question. Ah, oh, that's so, so nice Duke. of you, Jay Leno. I mean, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks. Duke, any thoughts? Deion Jordan versus Olivier Vernon? Um, I, you know, I, I think Wake's pretty sad at his spot. I think they'll rotate those guys. And I think it's going to be a matchup deal because, I mean, let's say we're playing uh, New England, you know. I think you put a guy like Jordan out there and, and let him rush the passer, but at the same time you got to let him cover some tight ends. And uh, I believe it was uh, in the, the Pittsburgh game last year where – uh, Deion Jordan was lined up at, at defensive tackle and then dropped into coverage on a running back. And because of his coverage, uh, Roethlisberger had to hold the ball an extra second longer, and Wade got a strip sack and Miami recovered and um, would score a touchdown out of it. So, you know, I think they will find a way to use his versatility. And I was kind of thinking about that a little earlier today. I mean, if he's a guy that can get you anywhere between five and eight sacks a year but can also be a lockdown um coverage guy against some of the bigger tight ends, I, I would take that regardless of whether he starts. <clears throat> well, since we do have a caller on the on the line, I'll go ahead and switch it over to him. So Flirting Debater is coming on, and this is actually the Flirting Debater. So Fin Fan for Life, how are you tonight? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I, I had to I'm, call you at once because I called him you, so... <laughs> Yeah, we're all even now. Okay. <laughs> so, what's on your mind? How you guys doing? Doing well. I'm actually back on the show, so that's a good thing. I know Keith isn't liking it, but I'll, I'll hear about it later. When, yeah, when Keith's not the star meeting. anymore. <laughs> I'll, I'll now be answering uh, to the name Conan O'Brien <laughs> oh, for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, guys. Oh. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing all right. So what's up? All right. Well, since you guys were bringing it up, I guess uh, I'll put my input on uh, the Dion Jordan Olivier Vernon question. Um, I think what we saw from Olivier Vernon was promising, but I would still really like to see a lot more Dion Jordan this upcoming year. I'm thinking that, and I'm hoping this is the case that Philbin is taking all the rookies and, like, red-shirting them if he can 
and which means hopefully that Deion Jordan will be a lot more active the upcoming year. Because every time, it seemed like every time Deion Jordan was on the field, something really good happened for us. So with that thing in mind, we should be looking to get him on the field a lot. I don't care if he's as lined up as a linebacker. I don't care if he's uh, playing as a tackle or an end. I don't even care if he's playing corner. He needs to be on the field somewhere. I think I think you're probably right. It does definitely seem like Philbin, Philbin for, prefers to play the redshirt game. And take it for what it's worth, obviously, as Dolphins fans, we all wanted to see Deion Jordan out there because – from the moment that that pick went in, and I ruined it for uh, Duke by saying it like three seconds before he saw it. Um, uh, they, uh, the, the the idea of how we're going to use that guy is just it, it's it's um, I can't think of even the right word I want to use, but it's something we all want to see is how how he's going to be used. And then it turned out the Dolphins didn't use him, and Maybe maybe it is part wanting to redshirt him, and I, I think that as a whole, that's what the Dolphins coaching staff wants to do. That's what they wanted to do with Ryan Tannehill. But the injury to David Garrard left two quarterbacks playing at about the same level. So if you have two quarterbacks, a veteran and a rookie, and the rookie is your future playing at about the same level, you're going to just throw the rookie in there. And, yeah, he's going to take some lumps, but he's going to get the experience. I think that that's what they planned to do with Tannehill. I think that's what they plan to do with Deion Jordan, and it might be what they plan to do this year. It might not because it might be a, hey, we have to have a starting something on the offensive line, and they go get him. So I, th- I think you're right on the red-shirting idea. It, I think that there was probably a plan to slowly introduce Deion Jordan more as the season went along. His shoulder got healthier, and they let him get used to the speed of the game a little bit more. But when when they, when the season started and Olivier Vernon went out there and started playing like Olivier Vernon did, I think the coaching staff just kind of at some point went, we can't take that guy off the field. He, he's hot right now. We have to leave him on there. And – it hurt Deion Jordan. There's obviously there's a uh, there's a glut of talent, and it's going to be up to Kevin Coyle to figure out how to use it. And maybe it is put put uh, Deion Jordan back at linebacker, and maybe the answer is on running downs you have Coamisi out there, and on passing downs you have Deion Jordan out there. And I know everybody's going to immediately say, well, Philip Wheeler's the weak spot in the linebackers, but Nisi is out there specifically as a run supporter. That's how the coaches like to see him. So if you're taking him off and putting Deion Jordan in there, you, you, you're, you're making a matchup problem, especially for teams that have the multiple tight end sets, the multiple uses of tight ends. So may, maybe that's the way to go. And I know I just talked up a whole lot and went around in circles a bunch of times, but uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you, Floridian Debater, and let you uh, come up with another question since we kind of talked that one to death now. <laughs> well, actually, one thing one thing I want to say first is with Jordan, you hope that he'll come into th- this this training camp 
better against the run. That's what you're hoping because if that's the case, then you can just put him at linebacker. Because, I mean, what what are you afraid of? I mean, the guy's outstanding in coverage. He's as good in coverage as you're going to find a linebacker. But the problem is is you worry about teams funneling or you're unable to funnel the run over to his side because you're not sure he's going to be able to handle it. You're not sure he's going to be able to to get off that initial block or he's not going to be able to – consistently get to that ball carrier. So, I mean, that's the issue. But if he comes in and he can take on the run, then, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You can put him at linebacker. Because at that point, the guy can pretty much do anything. So playing the run is really what's going to make or break that guy's ability to not only stay in the starting lineup, but be on the field more often than not. So you hope that he comes in and he's, and he's improved in that area. Yeah, and one – uh, I mean, right now, I would I would put him in over Philip Wheeler. Questions asked, um, and you know, I was thinking about it while, while everyone was talking. I think that that's a um, that's a name more so than Olivier Vernon that would that Dion Jordan could steal time from because obviously they were um, you know when they brought in the Quill Jackson, they were talked about you know kind of motivating him, and he just wasn't a very good player last year. And um, it, you can't really cut him or trade him because of his contract and the the, the dead money involved. But um, I, I think he's a guy he, – he'll be on the team because of that. But I think he's a guy that will uh, – he was losing snaps to uh, Jelani Jenkins last year for the end of the year. And I think he's uh, – he's, you know, like he's just saying, you know, when it comes time to do some uh, run certain kind of sets, I mean, you want Jordan rushing the passer too because that's a good skill set of his, but you can also drop him into coverage so you can play him. Basically, he can just be kind of like a, uh, just a utility player, or, you know, a Swiss Army knife on defense. You put him wherever. But uh, I, I would think at this point, unless, unless Vernon just has a real big setback, the guy who's going to be losing snaps to, to Jordan is going to be uh, losing, yeah, losing snaps to Jordan is going to be cooler. It could be very much so. And can you imagine if you just lined up Vernon behind Wake and told him you're blitzing every single snap? What, what is the defense going to do with Wake and Vernon, or I'm sorry, not Vernon, Jordan coming behind him? Two extremely talented pass rushers just coming straight after a quarterback on the same side of the field. That'd be nasty. But um, Well, I would hope that Jordan decides to actually tackle the guy, not bump into him like uh, Andrew Luck. Yeah, what, what, going back to that, and it, it, if you watch the film after hearing the explanation and the coaches all said the same thing, that, that instance was simply he thought, wasn't it Luck? I think it was Luck he hit, wasn't yeah. it? It was yeah. Luck. Yeah. When, when he ran up and chest bumped Luck, that he, Luck pump faked. Jordan thought that he threw the ball and he didn't want to get the 15 yard penalty. So he came off, and unfortunately, Luck, being Luck, didn't fall down from the chest bump and ended up completing the pass or, uh, or, or keeping the play going. And it made Jordan look like an idiot because now he's just standing there going, I don't know what just happened. But, yeah, it, that that was obviously a bad play. It was a rookie trying to make sure he's within the NFL rules, and, yeah, that was definitely a bad play. But NFL growing pains. Yep, he learned. So, um, 
I'm trying to. Sorry, I'm uh, trying to read. I just saw something go across, and I was just trying to make sure that it wasn't something that I needed to pop up real quick. But okay, go on. Flirting debate. Um, I saw some earlier, earlier some stuff about the running backs as well, and mm-hmm. um, I am thinking there's really only two options I can think of that we could actually use ever since the idea of Darren Sproles went away because we could have had like a real Reggie Bush type again. And I think Lazor would li- would have liked to play with that, but Chip Kelly got him first, but whatever. Uh, the the answer at running back in free agency is got to be either MJD or LeGarrette Blount. That's really the only two options I can think of that would be of any use to us at all for different reasons as well. MJD is a leader that we desperately need in that locker room. I don't know how much of a leader Brandon Albert is going to be just yet, so I would like to have somebody proven to be one. Blunt, on the other hand, is the one thing that we need on third and one, the big bruiser, and that's why, in my opinion, it's one or the other. Nobody else should even be bothered to look at, unless Ben Tate somehow goes away from Cleveland without a deal. I want to say real quick, and I'll I'll turn it over to you, Keith, in just a second, but I want to say uh, on the leader issue – I think that it's so utterly overblown. I think this Dolphins locker room has the leaders it needs. You're, you're asking you, – you're taking and, – and it's not you necessarily, Floridian debater, but the media as a whole is taking the snapshot of the offensive line and how Richie Incognito was the leader of the offensive line and somehow turning that into there's no such thing as a leader in the Dolphins locker room. There were plenty of leaders in that Dolphins locker room. They may not be we, – we may not see Ryan Tannehill as the leader because who does everybody think of when they think of a quarterback as a leader? Everybody that's ever had a Dolphins logo, a Dolphins trading card, a Dolphins anything will immediately picture Dan Marino going to the sideline and chewing out his offensive line or chewing out a receiver who dropped the ball. And that isn't Tannehill yet. Give him some more time and maybe it will be. But that's not Tannehill yet. I just think that part of it is we, were, we are a very young team and they are developing. The leaders are developing. You also have people like Brent Grind, Danelle Ellerby, um, Rashad Jones, Chris Clemens. Rashad Jones maybe not so much because he is another one of those young guys. But those older guys that are there, that we don't see them as the leaders of the team, but they are. Chris Clemens from training camp last year, that's what everybody was saying, was that Chris Clemens is clearly the vocal leader on that defense. Now he's gone, and hopefully Rashad Jones or Danelle Ellerby or one of these guys that came in last year, Brent Grimes, and was new last year, can step up. I just think that we we start looking at um, signing free agents and picking draft picks based on the fact that they are a leader and you end up with this kind of false false idea that a guy is going to step in right away and suddenly everybody's going to gravitate to him. I, I just It happens, absolutely. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it just I, – I, I have issues with the you sign him because he's a leader in this locker room that needs a leader. So, Keith, I'll let you go, MJD. And, I, and I, on that also – I would not be against the MJD signing. I like the idea of signing him. Um, he's a good pass protector. He's a good running back. He's at the end of his career, so you're going to have to have somebody to develop behind him 
to take over that role, but I'm not against that signing. I just – and it's not necessarily just you flirting debater. Like I said, you hear it a lot. I just don't like the – well, you have to sign him because he's a leader. It just – it doesn't work for me. I would prefer to have a football player than a leader when it comes to the guy on the field. Uh, Keith, I'll let you talk um, MJD and LeGarrette Blunt. Well, regardless of uh, what you do with those guys, if you do sign them, I think you still need to draft someone behind them. Because I don't, I don't look at Legarrette Blunt as like a long-term option. Uh, and who, who even knows that if Hickey wants anything to do with that guy? Zary had to deal with him once. True. Uh, uh, MJT is interesting because he still plays at a high level, and. Uh, I know people are like, well, he's getting closer and closer to 30 and so on and so forth. But he, as long as the Dolphins don't sign him and look and look at him as completely filling their their running back void, I'm good with it. If they bring him in and then they go ahead and draft someone, suppose like you know, third, fourth, maybe even fifth round, I think that's the way to go. And are you guys looking at this? This uh, like reporter cat fight on Twitter over that stupid Brandon Browner thing. No, I I, I haven't no. been. I saw it starting and I backed away. Apparently, what happened next was Ian Rappaport came back and said, "Hey, the team is saying that there's or the uh, the people close to Browner, his friends are starting to say he's agreed with the Patriots. His agent is saying they haven't, and now it appears that." The Patriots are believing that they are close to a deal, that everything is lined up, but they want him to take a deep pay cut because he's going to be suspended for four years. So his agent is trying to muster up some magical, hey, we're talking to three other teams also, to try to get that price back up. And now it is. It's becoming a reporter catfight of who's correct and who's not. And just uh, because we kind of – broke away from the topic for a second. Agent J just posted the gif of um, Tannehill throwing Richard Matthews off the field last year, which absolutely is a great point that he did chew out Matthews. So Tannehill does have a little bit of that shut up and get off the field in him. So the funny part is, who's the guy that ran over and uh, started yelling at Matthews first, bear hugging him and yelling at him first in that gif? Jonathan Martin. Saying it's Jonathan Martin, and then Pouncey is screaming at him. Then Hartline says something to him, and finally Tannehill goes over, shoves him, throws him off the field, and if you can hear the video, tells him, get the fuck out of here. And I did not mean to say that word, but okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and send it back. Edit, edit, undo. I don't have seven. I don't have a seven second delay, so <laughs> I feel bad. I shouldn't be the host of the show. Keith, you're hired Jay again. Would, Jay Leno would never do that. Chop an F bomb. I would never say that. Oh my God. Uh, Kevin's rusty. This show, I am. I'm definitely rusty. This show just took a weird turn. So, hey, Duke, you want to talk about LeGarrette Blunt or uh, or MJD? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. My uh, 
my, my night's uh, kind of set up well there now. Um, okay. I don't know if Duke, Duke, are you still there? We may have lost Duke. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm here. My phone was oh, okay. Hi, caller. Hi, caller. How are you tonight? No. Uh, MJD <laughs> and... Hey, caller, do you have a question? Yeah. I would, uh, <laughs> I would sign MJD. I think, um, I think he's a more complete back, uh, and gives, it offers more in passing game and in pass. But, um, one one thing I want to weigh in on about the uh, uh, the uh, leadership deal, I understand bringing in a guy like Brandon Albert because he plays on the offensive line, and that was where the whole situation was. But saying that Miami has to bring in leaders everywhere, I mean, you can't have 53 leaders out there. I mean, true. the uh-huh. very definition of leader is you've got to have followers. Um if everyone's leading, then you know what's going on there. But um, I think Dave Hyde wrote an article today about the Jonathan Martin situation, uh, specifically the trade. And I think I, I think it's behind the Sun Sentinel paywall. But if you found him on Twitter, you could read it, which is kind of weird because um, that's how I read it. And pretty much kind of sums it up. He says that the Dolphins locker room was extremely angry and Martin for what happened, and did not think he would yeah. be welcome there, even though he may have been welcome in other locker rooms, um, because they felt what he did didn't just break the code of the locker room, but was just kind of uh, just not something you do. And what he said was basically they feel like that it was an internal situation, and he went public with it before he ever mentioned it to anyone. Um Threw the whole team under the bus. Yeah, and so, and of course, a lot of this is media-driven, and I think Omar brought up a point on Twitter the other day, and I really much agree with it, was you look at what's going on with the Darren Sharper case. Um, I mean, that guy looks like, you know, forget it. he's He's looking awful right now. It's a terrible human being. And yet you don't see that on the news, but they're always talking about the Jonathan Martin saga. Uh, and basically what it amounts to is just a guy, and Hyde mentioned in this article, he believed that he was just playing so badly that he had a breakdown and the story got cooked up. And that's the case. And so I think this whole idea of the Dolphins have to get leadership, the Dolphins have to get leadership, the Dolphins have to get leadership, I think it's purely just media-driven. Um I mean, you need some guys in the locker room, you know. You need some guys in there to, to fire guys up, you know, get them pumped up. And when Dansby was here and Kevin Burnett was here, I mean, we'd see those post-game game videos, and you'd see them in the locker room, you know, the raw, raw stuff, getting everybody fired up. You need some of that stuff. But in terms of just, you know, you need some professionals in there, and we've got professionals in there. I mean, it's not like – I mean, the media makes it sound like the Dolphins are just a bunch of juveniles out there you know they're just you know running amok, and that's not that's that's not true at all. Um, I, I was reading the ESPN uh, Dolphins blog, and they did that uh, that little four down segment. And the guy who writes for the Jets, I think in every question he asked, he had to bring up the word dysfunctional at least twice. And I thought to myself, I would slap him in his face if I saw him, just because first of all he writes for the Jets, and so I guess he's so used to them being so hideously dysfunctional that he has to throw it out somewhere else. But I mean, it's like people just have this view of the Dolphins locker room as being this terrible thing, and it's really not that bad. It was one incident with one player, uh, 
I just couldn't handle some stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think this whole leadership deal that the Dolphins have to get so many of them, I, I mean, yeah, you need some leaders at certain positions. You want certain positions to have a, a guy that everyone else looks to, but, you know, it's not this the Dolphins are just this, you know, defunct locker room like like you people are trying to make it out to be. I just I don't know. That that just bothers me. But, you know, it is what it is. Um and I would love to see the Dolphins, you know, win the Super Bowl for many reasons, but I just wonder what people would say if the Dolphins won the Super Bowl this year. How how they would react to all of that. Sorry, I'm I'm, connected. Just, I'm still reading the comments of my F bomb. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I've, uh, I've already decided that if the Dolphins made it to the Super Bowl and they somehow won it, and I was able to go, I would absolutely go find go find some actual crow and deep fry it and give it to all the ESPN commentators. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Uh, the fixings and everything. So here, you can have this. You deserve it. I've sat here and thought about this. And if if the Dolphins ever made the Super Bowl, I would absolutely be trying to trying to work it so that I could get SB Nation's um, press credentials so I could go. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. But at the same time, I'd be sitting there going, could I go sit in the press box and watch the Dolphins play and not be screaming my lungs out every play. I don't think I could do it. So I don't know what I would do. I would, I would, I would absolutely, absolutely, if I'm sitting in that press room, I would absolutely be as professional as I possibly could be. But could I do it? It would be an interesting test. But um, I think you're yeah. being a little over over uh, over serious about that. You, I think that the reporters had their own biases and they let loose a little ah every time the team they're rooting for yeah. fails. They do. Um, just to just to sum this up, uh, as as you guys were talking about uh, Jonathan Martin, um, I saw oh, okay. on, he he posted that today was his first day walking around the facility in San Francisco. Obviously. All you can ask for is an opportunity, then it's on you to make the most of it. That was his tweet, but it led me back to his Twitter page. And uh, his banner is now the San Francisco 49ers logo. No issue with that. But he has on there Harvard-Westlake 08 to Stanford University 12 to number 71 San Francisco 49ers. Uh-huh. Anybody else notice there's kind of a big chunk in there that he left off? Are you just trying to completely and utterly ignore us? He posted earlier today, thank you to the city of Miami, Fort, Fort Lauderdale. There are some great fans and people in South Florida that I'll miss. But, Is that tweet still there? Yeah, it's still there. Uh-huh. But, yeah, just eh, just interesting that uh, we're just going to pretend like I never went to Miami. Okay. Well, wait till, wait, I, I mean, I, I, wait I was never Olivia that would have to pretend Cameron Wake get against him. Was he given any wedgies today? <laughs> <laughs> no, he got a hug from Harbaugh. And Harbaugh proceeded to pull his underwear over his head. No, he got a AZ hug. Just, AZ just uh, tweeted, at least it helped knocking off the rust. But, yeah, highlight of the night. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I apologize to all the kids out there. <sighs> I assume that kids listen to our show. They probably don't. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, but uh, well, we are getting ready to off. Off. This is the radio crowd. Say again. So this after we started this after ten o'clock. At least on these shows, this is the after hour. This is the radio draw crowd. That's true. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Um, but we are getting close to the end of the show now. Our time's coming down. So flirty and debaters slash fin fan for life, whichever one you are. Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so no much for problem. coming in tonight. And uh All right. you have a good good weekend and we'll probably talk to you again next week also. Yep. All right. Thanks for having me. See you guys. Yep. Bye. Okay, Keith, since uh since we're down to about ten minutes left in the show and uh I did kind of steal the hosting duties from you and I know that you actually take some time and prepare for the show each week. What do you have left on your list that you want to talk about that we haven't brought up yet? I got nothing. It's pretty wow. much uh, so, so everything you're we. So I did a good job. Uh sure. Uh, I think that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think it went. It, it went just fine. Uh, except for one. Except for one small part there. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but okay, uh, Duke. Anything left on your plate that you want to talk about? Mm. Wow, I must have done a really good job. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking here. Um, no, not really. Okay, uh, Az did have one more question that I'll go ahead and throw out, and Keith, you can go first. Um, how much of a benefit do you think it'll be to Tannehill this year to be working under a new offensive coordinator in Laser? Uh, great benefit. Uh, as in, do you think it's, be able to... do you think it's because of Laser, or do you think it's just he's getting out of that college offense? I I don't know if you can, if it's really something you can break down as simple as that. It's not so much that he was just playing in a college offense. I mean, he was playing in the West Coast offense. Uh, which, right, but, it, which, but I which, mean in terms of growing out his of his college offense, college offense, you mean. Right. Uh, right. Well, there are a couple of factors here, and we've talked about this on, on the show numerous times over the past few months, but people always question why, you know, why <laughs> weren't we running play action more, especially when Tannehill had such a a, a high uh, quarterback rating on those thro- and, uh, and completion percentage on those throws. Uh, you know, why weren't we running the ball more in certain situations? And I think it's something where uh, I don't know if like Mike Sherman is necessarily a bad offensive coordinator. I mean, like we've seen him uh, call other offenses before. I think he just was shell shocked by the lack of uh, uh, offensive line, really. So That's probably a good. Point. I, I think. I mean, it just—it was almost like he was—he was just handcuffed, and he didn't know how to. I mean, be, I mean, we talked about him. I mean, we make jokes about him being an old guy and everything, but really, the the only thing he did that I would consider old or old-fashioned is that he just was not able to adjust, make any adjustments, or or step back, or or um. 
make make any sort of call there uh, when the when the running game failed and the blocking failed for the Dolphins. So I, it's a it's a great start for Tannehill because yeah, it puts them in a new situation uh, with uh, from what we've seen a, a forward thinking offensive coordinator, a guy I wouldn't necessarily deem him progressive, but it seems like he's got some forward thinking concepts, and you'd like to think that he picked up a thing or two from Chip Kelly, right? In Philadelphia, so it's 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 good for him, and I think that, I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think that the way the NFL is right now, Tannehill will have more success with Bill Lazor than he did with Mike Sherman. I just think that's the way the game is going right now. I think that Lazor is more in tune with your your modern NFL offense, so it, it's great for Tannehill. It's a I don't know if you could have a better opportunity for Tannehill. In terms of finding the right offensive coordinator, in my opinion, I think the Dolphins hit a home run this offseason. And it's funny that it happened around so much turmoil going on with uh, really the start of bullying all the way up to the the Wells report and all the the general manager crap that was going on. But he's in, it's it's a great opportunity for him. So 100% yes. I mean, it's, it's something where I expect them to eventually thrive. And it's a, it's a great opportunity. Duke thoughts on laser coming to Miami. I like it. I agree with everything he said. Reiterating what Keith said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, Keith, you and I will have to work out exactly how we're going to do this hosting thing. Um, Hopefully I'm around more on Thursdays, but I'm not 100% yet, so it may still end up being that I can't be here. But tonight I obviously could be, and thank you for taking the second seat this week and not the primary seat. It was kind of fun being back in it. As soon as I learned not to curse on the air, it will be much better off. <laughs> scrappy scrappy post in the, uh, in the live thread, F this show. So that's about a... <laughs> That's about right, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, on that note, you guys, thanks again for calling in uh, to Flirting Debater and to Fin Fan for Life. If I can learn to keep your names straight, thank you guys. Uh, everybody that was commenting and to AZ Dolphin and Her Joshua and uh, kept the show going and Obviously, there's still more to talk about. We'll be back next week. Probably look more at the impact of free agency on the draft itself and where the Dolphins go from here. We'll have a better idea of what the Dolphins' needs will be coming out of free agency and into the draft season. So thanks, guys, and everybody have a good night, and we'll be back next week. Good night. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month for a line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speed after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. 
Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.